Welcome to this meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission for February 2nd, 2023. The time is 4.31. I'm Margot Schaub and I serve as the Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in the main library credit auditorium and available to view or listen to on WebEx. Members of the public can observe the meeting using the WebEx system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling local 1415 655-0001 and entering access code 2489-055-9045. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in for each item on the agenda. We will conduct public comment with attendees in the correct first and then move to WebEx for public comment. Each comment is limited to three minutes unless otherwise noted. To make public comment when connected by phone, please raise your hand by dialing star three to be added to the remote queue for the agenda item you intend to comment on. Individuals joining by WebEx should click the raise hand button to be added to the queue. Mike Smith with Media Services Operations will oper moderate WebEx virtual public comment. Mr. Smith will call upon WebEx attendees by name or by caller number to prompt each attendee who wishes to provide public comment. If we experience any technical issues with WebEx, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into WebEx if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Commissioners Mall, Lomax Giraduzzi, Lopez, and Bolander. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and welcome to the meeting of February 2nd, 2023. Um, to those of us here in Coretta Auditorium, we thank you for joining us today, and we are very pleased to welcome our virtual audience via the WebEx platform. We have a very full and exciting meeting today, and delighted that so many of you are here with us. And we're going to start with the Ramatushaloni Land Acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. If you have not already done so, all the materials for this meeting are available to download on the Library Commission page of the library's website, sfpl.org. So today we have six agenda items, and we will begin with item number one, which is general public comment. Um, just to uh, start, operations, how many people are, have joined us via WebEx today? Madam President, at this time there are seven callers in the queue. Thank you. We will now start with public comment here in Coret Auditorium. And following public comment here, we will move to our participants via WebEx. Uh, general public comment um, it, um, is just as a reminder, when people make general public comment or provide feedback on issues before the commission, um, the commissioners are here to listen and not to provide answers to questions. Um, we welcome everyone's comment, and so now general public comment is now open here in Coret.
Good afternoon. I'm Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again repeatedly. I have done so. The library should not be touting or encouraging uh, the use of social media, in particular Facebook and Twitter, uh, because they have a whole range of toxic qualities, including particularly the testimony of Francis Haugen in front of the Senate a year and a half ago in October, and I've been mentioning this at every meeting. She testified that Facebook favors profits over safety, and in particular, the safety of kids. Uh, we lately have heard that Twitter was found to have violated the law by somebody selling personal information of people who were using Twitter, dissidents whose information was being sold to the country that they were criticizing. And yet you have on page after page of publicity, including at the library, you're touting the, the, the uh, logos and then Get Social and Twitter, Facebook, and a range of other things. That's very wrong, especially when you don't give any warnings to the people who might be using what you're providing them advertising for and what ultimately is raw material for the profits of the social media companies like Facebook and Twitter. You have more than a month program, and I was disappointed that I couldn't see very much uh, of the black history that I think I would be particularly interested I can't hear Martin Luther King's speeches in February or March, as far as I know, without having something extra that I've brought along. There is no place in the library where, for example, you're featuring, featuring speeches by Martin Luther King, including quite a few that are very valuable and important, not just the I Love, the wonderful I, I Have a Dream speech, Everywhere that you go, you have to have earphones if you're using a library computer. You have to have a CD player or a DVD player if you're playing those. You cannot go to the library and listen to those speeches when they were made by the most famous orator and orators without having something that you bring along to get to the medium that the library has. That's the library's incomplete access and it disproportionately affects all the vulnerable populations, minorities, older people, poorer people, those who don't speak English as, a, as an initial language, and so on. And that's wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment here in Corette Auditorium? Good evening, Commission. Thank you for hearing me. Uh, these are comments regarding the possibility of a new Ocean View Village, uh, Ocean View uh, Library. The Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association at this time is waiting for a response from District 11 Supervisor Asha Safai and District <coughs> Supervisor Myrna Melgar before we can support the pros new Ocean View Public Library plan for the northwest corner of Orizaba Street and Brotherhood Way <coughs> on the Brotherhood Way Green Belt. And has a resolution that states, 
the Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association Executive Board is willing to not oppose construction of a new Ocean View Branch Library on the Brotherhood Way Greenbelt in the corner of Brotherhood Way and Orizaba Street, set back from Brotherhood Way under the following conditions. One, that the signed agreement by Supervisor Asha Safai, Supervisor District 11, and Supervisor Mir Melgar, District Supervisor District 7, that they would jointly draft a resolution to take the board to the Board of Supervisors stating that no further construction of structures of any type be built along the Brotherhood Way Greenbelt corridor, nor any alterations or closure of Brotherhood Way that land on both sides of Brotherhood Way from the Alamany Orizaba intersection to Junipero Serra remain open space for perpetuity. Um, the Neighborhood Association is very strong about this. We, uh, our executive board passed this resolution uh, 8-0 on June 3rd, 2022. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Mark Christensen, president of the Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association. Glenn has explained Metna's position regarding the Ocean View Library's proposed site and our position regarding the building on the Brotherhood Way Greenbelt. I wish to discuss the Sagamore Orizaba Brotherhood Alamany intersection and the need to safely redesign that major intersection prior to the building of the library. Most everyone agrees that the Brotherhood Way four-lane roadway must remain open to through traffic in both directions. The San Francisco County Transportation Authority originally had proposed to close Brotherhood Way at Orizaba and redirect all traffic to Alamany Boulevard. Now they realize that that would be an unrealistic choice. Metna, along with neighborhood residents and business owners, want to play an integral part of the Brotherhood Way active transportation and open space plan that will hopefully begin soon. We want to co cooperatively work with SFCTA, San Francisco Public Works, SFMTA, the Library Commission, and other city and regional agencies to make positive safety features in place so that the pedestrians, especially children, seniors, and persons with disabilities can safely navigate the area while motorists can also navigate the area safely. So that is our position at this time and I look forward to working with all the agencies in the coming months and years. Thank you. Thank you. Library commissioners, thank you for having me here. My name is Glenn Rogers. I'm a landscape architect, and I wanted to uh, discuss my feelings about the Ocean View Library, which I look out right across the street from me. You know, the uh, planning department in the, uh, in the beginning created uh, Orizaba uh, <laughs> Street, uh, which comes right down by the uh, proposed library solution, and it's too narrow. In their wisdom, they made the street too narrow for access to a, a library. Then, also, they have uh, super blocks that are located in this particular uh, neighborhood. If you were to get this wonderful book, 
The Death and Life of Great American Cities by Jane Jacobs. This has more information about planning current today uh, than you could possibly imagine, and it discusses the problem of superblocks in it. And, uh, and you would find out that the superblocks are also going to be hampering the circulation to the library. Then you have Sagamore and Alamany. This is very fast uh, transportation coming down the street there, and uh, no, no location for uh, pulling off. And, uh, in it, and should you put in a, a traffic light, it would probably uh, cause tr a tremendous amount of uh, delay and backup. Also, uh, in my opinion, a library located at Orizaba and, uh, and Brotherhood Way is an attractive nuisance, bringing children into a death trap where speeding traffic could easily be killing children regularly. I know many of you have great faith in SFMTA and their designing skills. When I was in a college, we had those planners in our class of landscape architecture and architecture. They did not do well in our class. And I just wanted to mention to you, I suspect their solution is not going to be any better than the solutions that they had when they were doing the M streetcar line, for example. The supervisor who did the, uh, who's working on the M streetcar line, she never took a ride on the M streetcar. And she avoided a stop at the uh, Methodist church that was a, a location for a food pantry, a childcare, and counseling for, uh, the, for veterans that were hurt in the war. Thank you. Thank you. Further comment? Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is George Wooding. I'm uh, with the San Francisco Land Use Coalition. I'm here to talk a little bit less about traffic in the SFMTA and more about um, development. This library would sit at the very end tip where Orizaba comes in to the Brotherhood Way. Now, Brotherhood Way is a green belt currently, and it should remain a green belt. However, the supervisor for District 11, which now only has one library, and District 4 has four libraries, has, in his wisdom, decided to build this at the very last place in District 11, not in the center where people could use it. It joins, it would essentially become the fifth District 7 library. He's adamant Sasha, that this library has to be built at this location. My feeling is, this, his feeling is, I believe, that this, when, this, when this library gets built, 
It will start to lead to future development on the green belt and development of possibly business, commercial, but just as easily residential. So I think we're going to about to say goodbye to Brotherhood Way. And I think there are many places. Um, we already have the Jehovah's Witness Temple close by, several places more central in District 11. It would be very convenient to build a beautiful, wonderful library to the deserving people of District 11. They deserve a good library. Um, they have not had one for several years. But I feel because of Asha Safayi being so adamant to build in only this location, that something is clearly wrong. There are so many more options in District 11, and they should be examined, and people should think of the future of the Brotherhood um, um, development. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, any further comment, public comment here in Corret Auditorium? Seeing no further uh, additional comment here in Corret, we now turn to general public comment through WebEx. Members of the public who wish to make general public comment on WebEx, please click the raise hand button in the lower right hand portion of your screen. If you have called into the WebEx dial-in number, please press star three to line up to speak. Operations, if there are any commenters in the remote queue, please begin to put the commenters through. Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow additional commenters to join. Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. Thank you very much, Operations. Hearing no further requests for comment, general public comment is now closed. We now turn to item number two, which is discussion and possible action to approve the January 19th, 2023 commission meeting minutes. We will open with public comment before our commission discussion on this item. Um, as a reminder, we're asking people to only um, comment on the agenda item. We will begin with public comment from members of the public present here in Corette and then take public comment from those on WebEx. Public comment on agenda item number two, on the commission meeting minutes from January 19th, 2023 is now open here in Correct. Peter Warfield again, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117. Since some Glen Park folks are here, let me say that these, uh, these minutes are particularly political, including what they say Glenn Rogers, who's here today, said. It says, Glenn Rogers said he wanted to bring attention to the Ocean View Library development and the transportation plan and the master plan of the library being separate. It was his hope that the transportation plan failure would signal that the location of the library would be folly. I believe that uh, Mr. Rogers has always spoken about the dangerous the dangers to the public and particularly kids of placing that library 
so close to a very, very problematic series of roadways and intersections. He spoke in detail about that today. But the danger, the reason, the fundamental reason why he was bringing this up to you is not mentioned here at all. And that is the dangerousness of the existing layout. And the library, uh, I think, demonstrates its lack of ability or willingness not only to listen, but to fairly report what people say uh, so that nobody, including themselves, will have a record of what was actually uh, said when it is critical. Um, with respect to general public comment, for example, um, well, approval of the minutes. Peter Warfield said the minutes have, have omissions and misrepresentations. Well, I don't know that that's a summary when I've been very specific about Facebook and the toxicity of Facebook and when I have been mentioning Twitter recently and that the library is touting this without any warnings to those who are being, uh, and I think that needs to be included. With respect to the budget update, I said that uh, physical books are, have a very strong circulation. I wasn't talking about popularity, whatever that means. I was talking about the numbers showing very strong circulation for physical books, and in particular when people can get at them. Public comment on the librarian's report I think is incomprehensible. I was talking about finding uh, material within the more than a month program on Martin Luther King, and there was scant uh, material. Uh, certainly the library has a lot of material on Martin Luther King and by Martin Luther King and so on in the form of books and other media. Uh, the budget, I said the budget needs to provide money for informing people about what's going on via non-electronic methods for those who don't have easy access. Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment on agenda item number two, the meeting minutes? Seeing that there's no uh, further comment here in Karat Auditorium, we turn to public comment through WebEx. Operations, um, if there are any commenters in the queue, could you please begin to put them through? Madam President, there are currently no commenters in the queue. I will pause a moment to allow additional commenters to raise their hands. Madam President, there are no commenters in the queue currently. Thank you, operations. Hearing no further requests for public comment, public comment is now closed, and we move to commission discussion and action on item number two. Would someone like to make a motion to approve the minutes of the January 2023 commission meeting? I'm so moved. Anyone would like to second? Second. We have a motion from Commissioner Mall and a second from Commissioner Lopez to approve the minutes. I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Commissioner Lomax Ghiraducci? Aye. Commissioner Bolander? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. We now move to item number three, which is a discussion on our new strategic planning process, which we're all excited about. I will turn the meeting over to City Librarian Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. Good evening, commissioners. It's been well over a year now since library staff presented before the library commission about our intention to develop a comprehensive strategic plan. 
In the interim, library staff have weathered successive surges of the COVID-19 virus, prioritized reopening our library system, as well as renewal of the library preservation fund. After pausing this activity for nearly a year and a half, I'm confident the library is in a strong position now for this comprehensive effort to move forward, to engage our community, as well as engage our staff about their aspirations for the future. You have a memo in your packets providing additional background on our activities to identify a highly qualified team of consultants to lead this effort. You also have a copy of the successful vendor's proposal. Gensler is a global architecture design and planning firm with a corporate headquarters here in San Francisco. As city librarian, I could not be more excited to embark on this work at this moment. I believe the timing is optimal for several reasons. As we saw with the COVID-19 pandemic, that only accelerated the disruption that was already occurring in our industry. So now is the time to scan our environment, understand trends, and assess our current reality. Also in our favor is the library has largely recovered and restored in-person services and seven-day service system-wide. And our community has voted overwhelmingly to renew our funding for the next 25 years. After the past three years, it feels good to finally have the wind at our back and approach this work from a position of strength and stability. In this moment, we have an incredible opportunity in front of us to develop a bold new vision for the San Francisco Public Library. We have the opportunity to demonstrate to our community that we want to understand how we can better meet their needs and ultimately to be a good steward of the community's resources. With that, I want to recognize Randy McClure, the library's chief analytics officer. Randy will be serving as our internal project manager to lead this effort. I also have the pleasure of introducing Midori Mizuhara, the project manager from Gensler, who will be spearheading this work for the Gensler team. Midori will be leading this presentation this evening and introducing the team. Welcome, Midori. Thank you so much, Michael, and thank you, commissioners, for having us. We're so thrilled to be here and to kick off this project with you all. And I know this is the first of many meetings we'll have with you, so we really look forward to getting to know you all and work closely with you all over this next 12 months that we have in front of us. Um, oh, good. Um, so I am thrilled to announce uh, some of our team is here uh, to speak with you today, and we'll be talking about the rest of the team who is not couldn't make it tonight. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into introductions of the folks that are here. My name is Midori Mizuhara. I'm with the firm Gensler, as Michael mentioned. Um, I will be serving as the project manager, your main point of contact throughout this 12-month project. Uh, my background is in urban planning. I lead the cities and urban design group for Gensler's West Coast. Um, so my in the last 15 years, I've managed um, many, many planning, multi-stakeholder complex planning projects with the city uh, and agencies across the state of California. Um, so we are just so excited to work on this project and um, really passionate about the future of the public commons and libraries. Um, so I'm gonna pass it over to Laura to introduce herself. Hi. 
Hello, so I'm Laura Mihailov. I'm a senior strategist at Gensler. Uh, in my many years uh, working in this field, I've worked with uh, a variety of different kinds of organizations, big and small, including uh, many of the departments in the city of San Francisco and the San Francisco International Airport. Uh, I'm a native of San Francisco. I spent a lot of my youth at the uh, Ortega branch. And so I'm super excited to be starting on this project. Hello, my name is Allie Holmes, and I'm a strategist at Gensler in San Francisco. I will be handling a lot of the day-to-day -day work for this project. I'm born in San Francisco, have lived in the Bay Area for most of my life, and so excited to be a part of this work. Good evening. I'm Margaret Sullivan. Um, I um, lead Margaret Sullivan Studio, and I wake up and pinch myself every day because we've been able, over the past eight years, um, to work with some of the most progressive, innovative public libraries in the country, reimagining services for over four million, I say four million square feet, 40 public libraries. But this, this is going to be the, the one that's going to really push the industry forward, and we're just so thrilled to be collaborating um, with the thought leadership in a position, as Michael said, of strength um, to lead the library into a preferred future. Um, a, I always quote the Spider-Man, power, privilege, and re great responsibility. <laughs> Hello, and I'm Susana Razo with Contigo Communications. Also born and raised in San Francisco and also spent a lot of time at the Excelsior Branch Library when I attended UC Berkeley and commuted actually to Berkeley from home and um, would stay at the Excelsior Public Library from when it opened till it closed for those really intense study sessions for midterms and, and finals. Um, so I'm well familiar with um, how vital Actually, uh, public libraries are for communities of color, um, for low-income neighborhoods who really rely on safe spaces for young people to go and have that type of focused environment when it's needed. And so it's a true pleasure to be on this team doing community engagement and really helping to bring the voices of our communities into this planning process um, through the entire process so that the library can better reflect and continue to improve how it reflects and meets the needs of all of our community, very diverse community members. So a true pleasure. Thank you. Strategic planning is the great privilege public libraries we give ourselves to grow, strengthen, and deepen the impact of our work. The public library is the greatest instrument we created to demonstrate the best of America's democratic values. And you all are being called to action each and every day to honor and support the potential of each and every resident of San Francisco and to realize that power that an institution has to lead a city's equity-driven community economic development agenda. 
San Francisco Public Library is already one of, but really I should say, if not the best, nation's best library system. So this strategic work will enable an intentional deepening of who the library needs to be for your diverse communities, why the library exists, and what you are able to do to lead the residents of San Francisco into the next era of library stewardship, authentic community co-creation. This work will position the library as a facilitator, organizer, advocate, and any other of the vision that we all are generating together for all to be co-creators of their preferred futures with the resources abundantly available for all in San Francisco to live their best lives. So we will be deepening this, the, this language to truly demonstrate what an inclusive process that centers on the communities we serve and empowers the staff to realize how the San Francisco Public Library can advance the goals and improve um, and advance the community for all who live, work, play, grow, and learn and love San Francisco. Thanks, Margaret. Um, so we have some of the team here in person tonight, but we're really proud to bring a broad bunch of experts to this project. So I'd like to walk through a little bit about our team members, what their roles are, and how we'll be all working together to get this done with you. Um, as I mentioned, um, I'm with Gensler. We are the prime uh, contract holder on this. We're the prime consultant. We'll be offering project management services as well as strategic planning and community outreach. So we bring um, uh, many staff to this project, analysts, strategic planners. Um, I'm an urban planner, um, a diverse skill set from Gensler. Um, so Gensler will be working directly with the working group and to plan the day-to-day, -day, weekly meetings, the steering committee on a monthly basis, and all of you um, often as well. Um, so along with Gensler, we have Margaret Sullivan Studios, obviously MSS, who will be leading a lot of the strategic planning, the facilitation, um, working very closely with Patrick uh, from Harmonic, Patrick Quattlebaum, who is really an expert in service design, staff co-creation, and um, change management. Um, next, sliding over to the right there, we have CC&G, which is a micro uh, local business enterprise. John Canapari will be leading um, a lot of the data and research, qualitative and quantitative um, research and analysis throughout the project. Um, and then sliding over to the right, Susanna, who you just met. We're so lucky to have Susanna and Milton um, on the team from Contigo, who will be leading the equity-driven community engagement. Um, so that kind of rounds out the team of all the folks that aren't able to make it tonight. So we, as a team, really look forward to working with all of you um, throughout the year. Um, so that's a little bit about who we are. Um, and this page kind of talks to how we work together. Um, so we all... Um, we've all worked together before. Um, we're really familiar with one another, and we have a um, great relationship. We're an integrated team. We don't work in silos. We are very collaborative with one another. Um, that being said, we do have our own swim lanes and know our you know roles of the project, but we're highly collaborative with each other and look forward to being collaborative with you throughout this process as well. Um, 
So I'm just going to step back, uh, take a step back and look at the 12-month work plan. Um, and I can, I'll walk through this in detail, but just want to point out along the top of these 12 months, January to December, you have, we have running uh, meetings and presentations and periodic checkpoints throughout the year, which will be coming to you and other stakeholder groups for presentations and check-ins to make sure the team is on track. Zooming in a little bit further, um, January and February, we just kicked off mid-January, so we just kicked off a couple weeks ago, and we are in the first phase one, which we're calling launch. And so this phase is really all about um, uh, reviewing past plans, setting ourselves up for success for the next 12 months, really charting that uh, engagement plan that's going to bring us um, this broad outreach. So that's January, February. As we transition into March, April, May, we're calling that phase two. That's our phase of discovery. A lot of community engagement, both internal with staff, leadership, and external with the community as well. Um, then if you shift over to that darker blue phase, phase three is what we're calling sense making. So how do we sift through and analyze and make sense and synthesize, start to synthesize all the data, qualitative and quantitative, that we're finding out in that discovery phase. Um, Phase four, iterate that teal color, really working closely with staff and leadership to co-create a roadmap. And that takes us to August and September to the fall. And then phase, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, October and November really bring phase five, which is refining the plan, incorporating feedback, um, and, and refining the plan further to phase uh, six, which is documenting. And that's the creating the final document, creating a really accessible both graphically, visually um, accessible document that everybody can um, refer to. And so those phases of work really break down in the contract to five main tasks. Task one, um, which is where most of our resources and time will be spent, is outreach, communication, and engagement. So this task, the, the team, Contigo, MSS, um, CCNG, will be involved in many different layers of engagement, both internal and external with the community. Task two is where our analysis tasks fit. So again, qualitative and quantitative findings, research. Um, task three, the actual creation of the plan documents, first beginning with a draft um, to review and then developing a final. Task four is really that through line of project management that runs throughout the entire project, um, regular meetings, check-ins, and reportings, making sure all, all subs are coordinated um, with each other and with all of you. And then task five is, is really the presentations. So when, when this team comes to you and others to report back and present um, publicly. And so with that, we are about to close up, but I just wanted to turn it back to Margaret to tell a couple stories of where this team has done this in the past. Um, so one of the jobs, the roles I'm going to play in my swim lane is the go big or go home role. Um, and it's nice that we've had um, experience with library leadership that takes that point of view. Um, many of you all know that great thought leadership comes out of the state of South Carolina. <laughs> um, and one of the most rewarding projects that we've been a part of is um, in Columbia, South Carolina, the Richland Library, Library Studio. Um, we have lots of time to talk about all the great things that they've been doing, but I think for our purposes tonight, the ability to assert a bold vision, and in this work, um, the leadership, particularly Melanie Huggins, former um, president of PLA most recently, 
really wanted to position the library as a leader in the creative economy. Um, it's a city that is a political city, it's a banking city, it's a university, college town, and she saw the gap in the um, creative class um, that she wanted to grow. Um, and not only the creative class, but an inclusive creative economy. Um, so out of this work, which took around 10 years of a strategic work, um, transformation of um, staff roles and responsibilities, and then the renovation of over 12 um, library facilities, um, not only did they win the um, IMLS highest honor, but you can see the impact statement on the cover of the state newspaper um, about two months ago, nothing like Richland Library, artist entrepreneurs find community beyond bookshelves. So it's the impact statement come to life in the front page of the paper. Um, and then this is just a small project. So small projects can also have big impact. Um, another project in New Haven where leadership wanted to use the library to also grow the inclusive innovation economy and create a curriculum spaces and a coalition in the city of New Haven um, to, in, to create an inclusive economy where those marginalized um, folks of color as well as um, folks that have not been included in the knowledge economy would have access. And there has been tremendous growth and sustainability just in the past three years that have been a result of this project, um, and including national recognition from the Brookings Institute at the success. So as we um, close out, we're gonna leave ourselves with a question that we'll come back to after the public comment. Um, and we would love, we're gonna pull out the smarts and the intellectual capacity that um, we are enjoying in this room. Um, so what is something that you hope the strategic plan will capture? Great, thanks Margaret. And I just wanna close, this is our last slide. We just thank you so much for having us um, and look forward to engaging with all of you in different ways throughout this year. So um, stay tuned for how that looks and we'll be speaking with you um, very shortly. Um, if anybody has any, any, any members of the public has any questions or wants to reach out about this project, we have an email listed below, strategicplanning at sfpl.org. Um, so that closes out our presentation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was really so exciting. Um, but we're going to start with uh, public comment before we have commission discussion and um, questions on this item. Um, so we will begin with public comment from members of the public present here in Coret Auditorium, and then we will move to those participating via um, WebEx. So public comment is now open here in Coret. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 and at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. The uh, lack of publicness about this whole process is very troubling. 
Uh, you did have a general discussion about the strategic plan, but evidently left all of the details, including the creation of the RFP, which basically would, would theoretically anyway say, what is it you're looking for? <clears throat> you are the policy body. Where is your participation publicly in what it is you want to get out of this plan? Uh, something that I hope the strategic plan will capture is people who are interested in the library, who are library users, and not just controlled access through invitations to focus groups or to supervisorial districts where the publicity is limited to certain people, and I see a lot of that. In the process that we saw outlined, it looked like the general public came last out of the groups that you had, came after stakeholders and came out of after others. The general public came last. Uh, so the idea that there's no review of the RFP, no approval of any of this by your body, I think is very problematic. And while you may be willing to go along with whatever is decided behind closed doors, including perhaps some of you, it sounds like, you're leaving out the public when you don't have public uh, view and your approval following public consideration. Uh, I find some of the pictures that I see here kind of frightening. Where are the books? When I look at this page 20, which was page 12 on the online version, you can barely see any books anywhere. You can see empty bookcases. You can see books kind of as decorative devices in a bookcase somewhere in a huge empty space with some tables and a lot of computers. And when you look at the report, the 105-page report, there's a table of contents with no page number indications. What is the total cost of this? Approaching a million dollars? Let's hear it. On page 7, there's talk about lawsuits. And it says the lawsuits that have been brought against the company, the information is confidential. Well, you're paying a lot of money for this. Have you made no effort to find out what that was about? And it's my understanding that from a legal perspective, while the settlement may be confidential, the lawsuit is not. Have you looked into it? Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment here in Correct? Good afternoon, um, commissioners. Uh, Marie Sapella, uh, executive director of Friends and Foundation of the San Francisco Public Library. I just want to welcome all of you. And I came because I just wanted to let them know who we are. So I uh, represent, and there probably is another board member on the, on the line, but I just wanted to let you know how excited we are. Uh, we've been here since 1961. We're your, we're your local library support organization. I know you're very familiar with what we do, but uh, go big or go home is exactly <laughs> what we're looking for. Uh, Michael knows he's in our conversations all the time. But, um, you know, we are uh, ready for whatever you need, um, not only in getting people to turn out, but I think more tactically, um, our organization with all of you and the community in San Francisco is uh, what we all did together for you know now another 25 years, which is to give this library the largest budget probably in the history of libraries in this country. And so for you all, uh, I'm only pointing because I want to turn around. Um, it's 
the one, you are absolutely right. And we are ready to sort of see and join you and what this library can be for everybody. So we're here. Uh, tactically, what we do, and, it, and just to keep it in, in mind as this goes along, is we really do say, you know, we raise money, of course, but I think it's more importantly, we, we really figure out what is it that the city can't do, the library can't do, even despite all your resources, and we fill those little spaces, or that little and sometimes big spaces. So as we go along strategically, you know, just remember you have a private community sitting, waiting, and ready that's going to be in it and want to really figure out what are those tactical pieces that no one else can bring but an organization like us. So I just wanted to introduce us, uh, and we can't wait to see you all get this started. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Coret Auditorium? Seeing there's no further comment here, we will now move to the members of the public who are participating via WebEx. Um, operations, if there are any commenters in the remote queue, please begin to put the commenters through. Madam President, there is one commenter in the queue at this time. I will put them through. Kate, your three minutes begin now. Hello, commissioners. My name is Kate Lazarus. I'm on the board of the Friends of the Public Library, um, and I just wanted to echo uh, Marie's comments. Um, we're, we're so excited for this process to begin. Uh, I grew up in the city. I went to the Richmond branch as a kid, and now I bring my kids um, to the library as well. But no doubt, uh, in the decades that have passed in between, um, the purposes that the library served and the services you can provide have changed. And I think this is great timing for a process like this. Uh, as Michael Lambert said, both because of um, the new experiences of everybody using the library over the pandemic and also uh, the overwhelming support for the LPF that we just saw from San Francisco. So as Marie said, we're excited to be a part of this and support you however we can in undergoing this important work. Thank you. Are there any further comments in the uh, commenters in the queue? Madam President, there are no further commenters in the queue at this time. Hearing that there are no further commenters in the queue, um, public comment is now closed. And we now turn to commission discussion on um, item number three on strategic planning. There's no action to be taken, but this is an opportunity for the commissioners to ask any questions, make any comments, offer insights and perspectives. And I do believe that this will be the first of many opportunities for us to hear back from um, the leaders of this group, both staff-wise and the consultants, so that um, hopefully this is the start of a longer conversation and even more so a really great action plan at the end. So, um, uh, Commissioner Mall. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Um, I have a few questions. How many people on your team? All of you. Go back to that org chart. <laughs> I couldn't even count. Uh, well, um, 14. This is the core team. Yeah. So um, we have six from Gensler, um, four from MSS, two from CCNG, and two from Contigo. Um, so these these folks are not all working on this project. You know, full time. We have our different staff members working on this project on different roles. So. Um, folks will ebb in and out, but we have a core and dedicated team um, from each firm. Yeah. 
So they work on several projects at once, not only this. Some of our staff, yeah. So for example, our analyst, our data analyst in-house at Gensler won't be, you know, will be working on strategically on uh, portions of this work throughout the timeline where it makes sense and where data analysis is, is needed. Um, you know, our core dedicated team, myself, Lisa, our principal who couldn't be here tonight, Laura, Ali, Elaine, and Al Jalil are kind of the core Gensler team that will be day to day um, on this. So I know you've already been hired. So this isn't, <laughs> this isn't like an interview like that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I just worry about so many people working on one project and things falling through the cracks. So I just want to say that and hoping that you accommodate for that. Um, I also can't find anywhere, I, I'm sure it was given to us, Maureen, a while ago, but I can't find what, what the budget is for the program. Can you just refresh my memory, please? Or what page it's on with all these pages? Oh, within um, the packet from the... This one? The proposal. With the... For the proposal? This one. Uh, I don't know offhand what page it's in, but the, um, the contract itself is up to $875,000. Okay, so that's complete. That's finished. That's finished. At this, at this juncture, that's the estimate. That's the current contract. Oh, yeah. I saw, okay. Um, okay, so that's in stone, not in stone? Or, I mean, that's what we've budgeted for it? That's, that's the available funding for it, and it was budgeted in previous years. Yeah, I sort of remember yeah. <laughs> that it got snuck in there. We, um, we, we should add, though, that cumulatively through multiple budget cycles, we have allocated more funding than that amount. So we do have more resources that we can draw upon in the future as needed. Okay, and we have a, a deadline that we will have a finished product? Yes, as you saw in the That's presentation, the there is a timeline and we are going to endeavor to hit that timeline but we are also focused on having a very robust and comprehensive process. So we want to do robust community engagement, robust employee engagement, and this is the schedule. And, you know, we're gonna to try to hit it, but uh, it may require elongation and, um, you know, we, we do have that flexibility as needed if we need to go beyond this timeline. Okay. Um, and um, my last thought is um, after the conversation with the friends of the library, Marie Sapella, I'm hoping this isn't your first um, introduction to all these people. I think that it's really important that this is all part of the whole thing and that we, um, at the outcome, we can really understand what our role is as commissioners, what their role is as a support group, and um, I, for one, am very interested in that outcome. Right. Thank you, Commissioner Mall. Other, um, other comments or questions? Um, I would just like to, oh, did you have, Commissioner Lopez. 
Oops. Thank you so much for your presentation. And, um, and I'm pretty sure like the, uh, other commissioners have mentioned, um, we will be, uh, seeing each other often. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more in terms of, um, your community engagement, um, plan and, um, particular interested in, um, we, we have multiple libraries, as you know, these are different diverse populations and communities. And we have a large, uh, San Francisco. It's a very diverse city with, uh, not just culturally, but, but, uh, linguistic as well. So, um, if you can just, um, give me a, just an idea. I know you're not going to disclose. Sure. So we don't have time, but, um, what does your community engagement looks like? Um, and cause, cause I know that is, is a large component of, of the strategic plan. And, um, and I just want to see, I mean, hear a little bit about it. Absolutely. I'm going to pass that over to Susanna from Contigo, but I will say that we have just launched into drafting that plan. So our team is coming together, um, and, authoring that plan together with the working group and steering committee. So what that looks like, the timeline, who our partners are, exactly when we're meeting who, and really our overall kind of philosophy and approach to that, um, Susanna can speak more to, but um, we are, it's in the works. And um, so we'll be authoring that plan and that'll, a draft will be done at the end of um, February to share out. But I'll let Susanna speak. Yeah. I'll give you a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> of that plan um, well well th thank you for the question one of the things that we um, start with and that we really carry through the whole engagement process is a strong equity lens is applied to our engagement to our outreach and the design of how we engage um, the very diverse communities of san francisco and so part of that is working with um, the library to um, hone in that approach, starting with really understanding the priority populations that you see and, kind of, and understand to be um, priority populations, both because historically they have not been engaged in policy making or program design. So really understanding who they are and who some of your, again, priority populations are, be it the disabled, um, non-English speakers. So really wanting to understand those priorities from your perspective. And, um, and then also um, from that, with that in mind, really looking at how we partner and identify partners that exist in the community who are serving those populations, who are trusted community partners, if you will, that are really strong conduits for engagement with um, those populations. And as well, of course, as, as we're looking at it from, uh, you know, district-wide, right, from district to district, but really looking at it city-wide as well. So there's a kind of a layered process that we take and that'll be articulated in the engagement plan. Um, but, but that is um, part of the approach is really identifying, again, those populations and then the parties who we think will help really make us successful at reaching them. Um, we know many of them don't speak English. We know, again, some folks have access issues, and we don't expect people to come here, 
right? So the focus groups will be designed with really meeting people with where they're at and where they're comfortable meeting. Um, understanding that people have very little disposable time and we did build into our budget incentives to recognize people for the dedication of time that they will be um, making to some of these very important conversations as well as including some budget to have some some strategic partners again that we can work with closely to help us um, make sure we reach some of those really hard to reach um, but very um, strong priority populations. So I don't know if, if that helps, does it? Yeah, okay. thank you. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to add a few um, other comments. First of all, Randall, I just wanted to thank you um, for leading the working group on behalf of the library. You're the kind of silent partner here today, but we know that you're not always silent. Um, so thank you very much. And to the, all the staff who have committed to being part of this process, I just want to um, thank you for your efforts to ensure that it is as impactful as possible. And just picking up on uh, what you were, I think, getting at here with money and time, it's great that we have money, it's great that we have time, but let's try and be efficient and impactful because otherwise this could go on forever and mm -hmm. we're eager now that we have the Library Preservation Fund with wind at our back to really uh, make a difference now and not just let it linger. So. Um, and I also just want to um, say that um, I loved, uh, Margaret, when you said, let's you know push the industry forward. San Francisco has always, the library, the staff here has always been at the forefront. And I think that this is an opportunity um, to do something really quite grand and bold. Um, I, I once heard somebody recently say that the future is not a place to go, but it's a place to create. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that um, the staff can really push all of you um, and vice versa to really make something so impactful and so meaningful for um, all of our amazing constituents who live here in San Francisco. So thank you very much for your time and your effort and we can't wait for like real stuff to come forward as opposed to just the, the conversation today. So thank you. Um, we will now move on to item number four. Um, which is a very going to be a, a good discussion and um, it's a possible um, action item. And this is to discuss the uh, fiscal year 24-25 budget. Uh, this is not the first time we are hearing this um, and hopefully um, there's some new updates to present and we look forward to the presentation. So I turn it over to City Librarian Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. Tonight's budget presentation marks the fourth presentation of the library's FY 24-25 budget. And, you know, this is the fourth conversation in as many months and the culmination of this deliberative process for this cycle. So library staff appreciates the opportunity to present some options this evening for all of you to consider taking action to approve. And our CFO, Mike Fernandez, will be delivering this presentation. All right. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, good evening, uh, commissioners. Uh, it's my pleasure to be before you again to present the budget. I'll just lay out briefly uh, the process we'll be following this evening. Um, we're going to review where we are in the process, which is pretty, pretty far along. Uh, we'll review the budget environment that I briefed you on last time and the updates there. We'll review the budget proposals that we 
discussed last time as well in January. Um, we'll discuss the options. Uh, as Michael alluded to, we've, we've put together some options for you to consider and hopefully seek your approval this evening. So here we are in the budget calendar. Hopefully this looks pretty familiar by now. Um, we are at the commission budget proposal discussions um, and seeking your approval. Uh, if we are granted your approval, we will go ahead and submit to the controller as required uh, a little later this month. Excuse me one second. What page, where are you? Oh. <laughs> what page are you on? I'm on page 27 or two. 27. <laughs> okay, in this one. Yeah. Okay, thank you. No problem. Okay, I got it. And now we're on 28. <laughs> so as I briefed you last time, um, the city has a projected deficit of $728 million in this cycle, encompassing fiscal years 24 and fiscal years 25. The, the, the way it affects the library is primarily through the Library Preservation Fund, where we are projected to have for fiscal year 24, $179 million, which is $7 million less than was adopted in the 24 budget. And for 25, we're projected to have 183.4 million. New, new I have to present this evening, we have a fiscal year 23 year end fund balance estimate of $30.2 million that we're, we're carrying into this year. With the mayor's budget instructions again did have us as instructing departments like the library to prioritize economic recovery, improve, improving public safety and street conditions, reduce homelessness and transform mental health service delivery and accountability and equity in services and spending. As the library again, because we're self, we balance through our revenue, um, we're not subject to the cuts the other departments are being asked to propose at this time. So for this evening, I thought it'd be helpful to go ahead and look at what, look at what the base looked like. Um, for, so for, for fiscal year 24, our base budget um, is what was approved in the last cycle, which would have been at $186.98 million. On the, on the table on the left, it's, it's divided up among the various divisions within the library. And in fiscal year 25, you can see the base budget we start with. The reason, the reason why the fiscal year 25 budget in the second year of this, of this cycle is shows such a much, so much of a drop off is that all the one-time investments that, that we proposed through the budget proposal process would have been in fiscal year 23 and fiscal year 24 for the last cycle. So, so for this cycle, we're considering new ones for t fiscal year 25. Here you can see the budget priorities, the strategic plan priorities. Um, as you heard a little just a second ago, um, we are well on the way to uh, update these as we go. But um, as these are the strategic priorities that informed our budget, really want to highlight that um, the budget proposals that you were presented with in January uh, center around the facility maintenance infrastructure, organizational excellence, digital strategies, the premier urban library, and youth engagement. So onto the, onto the investments. Again, uh, I haven't broken out, broken out this cycle in non-position and position investments. I do wanna highlight for you on row two, 
uh, the refreshing the three facility division vehicles beyond the useful life. We did get it up in between the last presentation and today. We did get an update on revised costs for those vehicles and they did go up by about $29,000. So that's reflected here in this table. Otherwise, these have not changed since the last presentation. And again, this table hopefully looks familiar to you now. Uh, this is the position investments that we had proposed in January as well for your review. The numbers were updated and corrected um, to reflect more accurately. We did, we did find a few errors, so these have been corrected for this, for this, this, this evening's presentation. For our proposed new investments, um, we are proposing one-time investments for fiscal year 24 of 4.7 uh, million, 4.7 to $23 million in fiscal year 24 and 6.533 in fiscal year 25. We do have ongoing both in the form of non-position and positions that would be added to our base budget going forward. So the total investments for fiscal year 24 would be six point. $199 million and $8.186 million in fiscal year 25. The, the investments, again, are heavily weighted towards facilities, maintenance, and infrastructure since those are really one-time generally costs and they, we update them every, every year through this cycle, through the budget proposal process. In the last cycle, though, you did you, you did approve some continuing investments that we do not have to reinvest invest in this time uh, for fiscal year 24 that are already built into the base. Um, those include the large capital investments in Ocean View Chinatown and the building and maintenance uh, assessment, as well as some smaller uh, investments in information technology refresh, the elevator assessments, and the updating of the building envelopes. So the, the proposed, the first option that we're presenting to you today is what we presented in January with the minor cost adjustments for fleet and again, the updated labor rates. So on the detail table, you can see uh, here we have, we would have be proposing, if you selected this option, we would be proposing a drawdown of $11.43 million from fund balance. Um, but in fiscal year 25, we would be putting back roughly $10 million back into the back through reserves back to the fund balance as currently projected. This, this replenishment um, like this year could serve as a buffer. So if they again downgrade the revenue like this year, that would serve as a buffer against that. But it also gives us room if that doesn't happen, uh, that would be the, the money we would have readily available to freely allocate for the best and bold ideas that you've been hearing about that we'll, we're working through through the strategic planning process. The second option we have to propose this evening is to propose the same um, non-position investments that we had, that we had shown you in January, but to go ahead and defer those labor investments to beyond the cycle. Reason being that with the current revenue situation, this, this deferral could make sense since until we get a clearer revenue picture and until we have our strategic priorities aligned, um, to go ahead and defer the position investments since those, you know, are ongoing. Um, those, once they get added to our base, they're pretty, they're pretty much ongoing. They get locked in for an, quite an extended period of time. 
if you were to um, go with this option, we would only be drawing $10 million from fund balance and have $11.6 million in reserve. But again, we would not be able to provide the additional uh, services that we had proposed as part of option one. We did want to give you a different take. Um, in option three, we, we're, we're giving you the option to make additional investments. Um, right now, as we are, again, as we had mentioned in the, in the last couple of presentations, we are proposing more or less a status quo budget. That said, we thought it would be wise to increase the amount going into state of good repair. It has not been increased over several years, so catching up to CPI would be very beneficial. We certainly have backlog of capital projects or of smaller projects, uh, tenant improvement projects that really could use, um, th that would really take advantage of this funding should you choose this option. It would be a slightly larger draw on fund balance. So the fund balance draw in 24 would go up to $11.58 million um, and we would only have $9.65 million available in reserves for fiscal year 25. So that would be the, the cost trade-off on that one. So as you can see, the options are laid out um, here summarized. Um, the options as presented in January with the updated costs would have a proposed budget of $191 million bottom line for fiscal year 24 and $184.2 million in 25, which reflects a $11.43 million fund balance draw in 24, and again, roughly $10 million um, reserved in 25. Um, and that would leave us with ultimately a fund balance that we would carry from in, at year end of 24 to be estimated around $18.8 .8 million. For option two, you can see that would be deferring the positions. Um, we would, that would bring our proposed budget down to $189.8 million. In fiscal year 24, in 25, the reason why it's the same is again, it would change the amount we're putting into reserve. So the overall expense wouldn't change. It would still be $184.2 million budgeted. That's how we balance. Um, and so for fiscal year 24, the fund balance, we would be asked, we would be budgeted to use would be $10, $10 million roughly even, um, which would give us $20.2 million at the end. And option three, a smaller investment into, um, into the state of good repair would slightly raise the budget from option one from 191.3 to 191.4, slightly, slightly a bigger draw from fund balance. And that would mean we're carrying slightly less into fiscal year 25. That's what I have to present to you for this evening. I'm sure there will be comments and discussion afterwards. <laughs> so I'll be here. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you and your team, all the hard work that went into this budget. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before we open this up for a discussion um, and possible voting here at the commission, um, we are um, delighted to open this up for public comment. So we will begin with public comment here in Karat Auditorium and then move to participants who are joining us via WebEx. Public comment is now open here in Karat.
Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. The budget priorities are pretty, as far as I'm concerned, as a fairly active library user, uh, pretty obscure. What priority is there and what does it mean? Literacy and learning, premier urban library, youth engagement, digital strategies. Where is the discussion about collections? Where is the discussion about the service you're providing to the public? So let's say this, the library has a very lovely slogan, free and equal access. And I know that one of the commissioners asked a question of the previous presenters. So where is the free and equal access if you can't hear in any format a speech by somebody given in your program more than a month, but anywhere else? If a poor person has to come in here with earphones or has to have a DVD or a CD player if they want to hear something, why can't the library, after all the money that it's got in the budget, provide that person with access? That would be a poorer person, an older person, those and all the minorities, uh, all the vulnerable populations that you know have less access or no access to the internet. Uh, and in general, less, less resources. So I'm concerned that with respect to materials, you're more and more favoring electronic and more and more going for electronic only, where there is no book. Now, every person pretty much can use a book, but not everybody can use electronic. If you don't have a Kindle, you can't get an electronic book for Kindle. The library doesn't provide that for you. They don't have any players or any other kind of players, except the computer in there, again, you have to bring. Where is the access to information about programs? We hear about all the wonderful e-contacts and the emails that are sent weekly to people. Those who don't have access might never hear of those things. I walk into libraries, I don't see much of what's available in programming. And, and so the programs themselves are often only electronically available, and the publicity is often only electronically. You're cutting out a huge number of people, not free or equal. Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment here in Karat Auditorium regarding the budget? Seeing there's no further comment here in Karat Operations, we now turn to public comment from our participants via WebEx. If there are any uh, individuals who would like to make public comment, please put them through. Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow additional commenters to join by raising their hand. Madam President, there are no commenters at this time. Thank you very much, Operations. Seeing that there is no further public comment, um, public comment is now closed, and we now turn to Commission discussion and possible action on the um, budget. I'm wondering if you could just turn to slide number 41. I think that would be a, uh, an easy, just to look at. Um, 
number, that one, so that we can look at their, just to sort of set the stage, there are three proposals. Um, option number one is um, what we have been reviewing all along. And then the staff provided us with option two, which is reducing um, our investment this year and next year. And option three is increasing it. So there, those are the three general um, um, options out there. So um, Mike is here to answer any questions and of course um, other staff as well. So I open that up. So um, Commissioner Lomax Garaducci. Thank you so much, Mike. You have been so diligent um, in explaining things and making it so clear. I'd like to, I don't have a question. I actually would like to uh, make a motion um, uh, to consider, can I make a motion yet or is it too soon? Oh, we're in the discussion phase? Perhaps we should just let, see if there are any questions before okay. we do that. Is that all right? That and then I'll let good. you make that motion. Or I'll make the motion and you can, uh, we'll figure, go from there. Any other, okay, Commissioner Maul. Um, I, I'm not uh, versed with the um, equipment that the library manages, but I think that the public did bring up what sounded like a very excellent point about the earphones. Can you just respond to that? Sorry, thank you for the question. Yeah, I would say, I would say generally the as a matter of budgeting for for a budget question, there would potentially be sufficient budget to within the proposals before you in either of the three options to address that question. Um, so I yeah, I think so that's where I'd probably leave it. Yeah, I would just add we can take it under consideration. Yeah. Um, you know, there it there are some considerations about hygiene and cleanliness and people using different types of equipment. But again, we can take it under consideration. I know that when you go to a public gym, often or private gym, they give you these little. I mean, they're not. They couldn't be very expensive. Stick them in your ear. Stick them mm -hmm. in the machine. Um, well. I think that with a budget this size, that we should be able to accommodate that request. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Mall. Commissioner Bolander. Uh, thank you for the presentation. I have one question about positions. Um, in option two, we defer positions till another day. Um, are those needed in order for us to meet our service requirements in our charter? I'll take that, Mike. Mm -hmm. We are currently meeting the obligations within the charter with our current FTE. However, we we included these positions in the budget because we feel that they are necessary to enhance the level of service, but also to deliver the high level of service that our community expects from us. So, um, you know, previously we highlighted the demands on our mobile outreach team, the bookmobiles, and our need for more capacity in that unit, thus the two FTE. Um, furthermore, our security unit, we've identified some gaps in coverage in some of our neighborhood branches that we wanted to address through the cycle. Um, you know, we also had the investment of moving from essentially contract workers as part of our social services team that you're going to hear about later on the agenda and making those folks uh, employees of the city and county of San Francisco. 
Um, I think those were the major, actually we also wanted to increase capacity in our library human resources unit. You know, one thing that we've uh, observed and felt acutely over the past three years trying to recover from the pandemic and being short-staffed and um, we, we, we don't have enough capacity in our library human resources unit. We still have roughly 130 vacancies out of 900 positions. So those analyst positions are going to help us address um, expediting some hiring. Okay, and those those positions that are have not yet been filled or are already accounted for in, in the budget, they just we just haven't been able to fill them. Yes, they are in flight, so it's an ongoing process. And I, I you know, I think there's been media stories about how long it takes to yeah. fill a position. No, right. it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I can say that. I can say that, right? It's yes. ridiculous. Okay, it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> silly. So we want to do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, if I could just characterize this, the investments in staff um, are to enhance the services, of course, get ahead of the curve on HR. And we know over the last year or so, that was a really tough, tough thing to do. I mean, lost people trying to hire them back. And of course, safety's paramount and important. It's great to integrate those folks into the into the community and have them be really feel part of what they're doing. So, okay. Yeah, that's, that was my only question. Thanks. Excellent, excellent presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Commissioner Bolander. I just want to add that I, I remember the presentation last in January where you really talked about the staffing positions, and they were very powerful and really important, especially going from the consulting um, group of uh, people supporting the institution and bringing them on staff to give them full benefits. I think that it really... I think that there's still room moving forward for next year when we have a new strategic plan hopefully in place to be able to kind of make adjustments accordingly. So I, I think that I just wanted to add my two cents. Um, any further um, comments? Um, okay, Commissioner Lopez. Thank you, Mike. Um, it's, I'm not well-versed in budgets and I've been working, trying to study and work. Um, can you elaborate more on um, uh, equipment? Um, I noticed that for most of, I mean, for the three proposals, um, equipment seemed to stay steady. Um, and um, my experience is that that's an area that you constantly have to be, you know, because equipment breaks and or you need to update or you need to uh, renovate. And um, what is the rationale for just keeping that budget at um, at the same level? As I understand it, I might be wrong. So if you can enlighten me. So for the, yeah, for the equipment budget, um, what we do on an annual basis is we, we look at either new equipment investments that we're looking to make, or we look at the, the current condition of the equipment that we have and what's kind of in line to be replaced. So that equipment line will kind of go up and down depending on what we've identified as needing to be replaced. 
within the three options, there wasn't kind of any difference in what needed to be replaced, um, nor was there additional equipment identified in an enhancement option, nor did we see any equipment that we could really you know, present to you as something we could defer at this time. So that's why the equipment would stay same and stay the same in all three options. Um, a follow-up question. So if I understand, so um, the inventories have, have been conducted and the equipment has been inspected and um, and we did not, or we hope not to have to increase that because we're up to date. Is that pretty much? Beyond, beyond the 980,000 um, that we're proposing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, those are the, that represents the, what we've identified for this cycle. And in 25, we haven't identified anything that needs to be replaced yet in 25. Of course, as we come back next year, when 25 is the budget year, we'll probably have some updates there. I wouldn't anticipate that staying zero. It rarely does. As, as, as you just expressed, things break and, and, and we identify needs. But at this time, th this is what we've identified so far. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Okay, so we have three options before us. And um, I'm gonna start with option one, and if we get a majority vote, then we'll move on. Um, so would someone like to make um, a motion to approve option one um, of the fiscal 24-25 budget? I so move that we uh, adopt option one um, as presented um, by Michael on several occasions um, to uh, adopt for the next budget cycle. And do we have a second? I'll second that. So we have a um, motion from Commissioner Lomax Garaducci and a second from Commissioner Bolander to approve option one for the fiscal 24-25 budget. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Commissioner Mall? Aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Wow, we have a, uh, we have, the motion was approved unanimously. Congratulations to the staff for the extraordinary work that you have done to get us to this point. There's always the phrase, careful what you ask for, because now you need to do it all. So we wish you well, and we look forward to reports um, um, as the years, as, as the budget gets updated, because certain things will be brought more in alignment with the city. But just want to thank you, thank the commissioners for your incredible, um, insightful comments and perspectives and questions, and let's go. Thank you, commissioners. Okay, we are now on to um, item number five, which is the city librarian's report. So I turn this over to city librarian Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. We have a couple of reports this evening and I'm pleased to introduce our first presenter. Our next presenter is truly a, pl a trailblazer in public libraries. Here's the clicker, Leah that right button. So as background, San Francisco Public Library was the first urban library in the country to have a social worker as part of our team. Uh, this model has been emulated nationally and now internationally. And Leah Escara is the San Francisco Public Library social worker. And 
you know, during her tenure, she has really become the subject matter expert in our industry, uh, presenting nationally and recently internationally. So it's my pleasure to introduce Leah, who will provide you this overview of the San Francisco Public Library Social Worker Program. Thank Leah? you, Michael. Thanks for the introduction. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you for having me here today. I'm excited to present to you the San Francisco Public Library Social Service Program. My name is Leah Esguera, and I am San Francisco Public Library Social Worker. I started in 2009. Please allow me to first provide a brief overview of my role as a social worker. I'll speak more in details about the HASA program or the Health and Safety Associates program and community partnerships after providing an overview. Since I started in 2009, my role as a social worker has evolved from primarily providing direct service work to our patrons to multiple roles that include supervision of the Health and Safety Associates, or HASAs, providing assistance and support to library staff through consultation and facilitation of staff meetings or trainings, direct service work through outreach and referral of patrons who need social services to community organizations, building and maintaining partnerships with our partner community organizations. So before I go into details and in describing the different components of the social service program, I would like to also briefly mention the history of the transition of my role as a library social worker. In 2009, <coughs> I started a San Francisco Public Library's embedded full-time social worker through a work order partnership between the San Francisco Public Library and the Department of Public Health. When Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing was created in 2018, my position was transferred from DPH to the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. On July 1st, 2022, I have officially become an employee of the San Francisco Public Library after 13 years. So I'm really happy and I'm truly honored with this transition. As I've mentioned earlier, I supervise a team of Health and Safety Associates, or HASAS for short. HASAS are library peer outreach workers who have lived experiences of homelessness and issues that are often associated with homelessness. Many of the HASAS have experienced similar challenges that library patrons are dealing with when they come to the library. These challenges may include mental health challenges, substance use, chronic illness, poverty, and social justice issues. The houses themselves have utilized and continue to utilize the social services and free community resources. The social service team, which is, that includes myself and the houses, our team that we link our patrons with. So here are the photos of the houses during their outreach as they bring the services to our library patrons in a manner that's compassionate and respectful of the patrons' enjoyment of the library. If appropriate and where it might be beneficial to the patrons, in addition to providing information and resources, the houses also share their experiences of what it's like to be unhoused and their journey in, in overcoming homelessness. The houses also serve as ambassadors at our library as they make everyone feel welcome, most especially unhoused patrons and the community, community members who live in the Tenderloin neighborhood and um, the surrounding neighborhoods. An important and unique aspect of the program is supporting the HASA's personal and professional development. 
For many of the Hasses working at the library as peer outreach worker is their first entry into the workforce after for some many years or even a decade of unemployment. I provide them with training and by working as a Hasa, they gain valuable vocational skills that they can utilize if they choose to work in other settings. The Hasas work three hours a day, five days a week to allow them time to attend to their appointments that are necessary to promote their health and well-being, such as medical, counseling, or housing appointments. Some of the houses have already been, has also been assigned to the branches that would use extra support, such as the Eureka Valley and Mission Bay. If patron situations require services that are beyond the skills and knowledge of a HASA, such as evaluations, crisis intervention, or clinical referrals, I provide those services as a social worker. So in fiscal year 2020 to 2021, the Hasses and I had a total of 5,907 oh. outreach contacts, while in fiscal year 2021 to 2022, we had 8,850 outreach contacts with library patrons. Oh. These are not unique outreach contacts, but rather repeat interactions with patrons. We had more outreach during fiscal year 2021 because of the reopening of the main library as compared to while the library was closed during shelter in place in 2020. Outreach contacts could involve a HASA doing a welfare check while they walk around the library, providing patrons with information and free resources or greeting patrons to make them feel welcome. The patrons are either referred by library staff or houses to assist them or people that houses engage with themselves as they do their outreach on all of the floors of the main library. So these are just some of the, um, so the houses walk around with, you'll see them walk around with a thick binder of resources. And in those binders as they're walking around are over 60 social service resources and organizations that they refer people to. So some of those organizations are, um, or some of those needs that um, are being asked are a lot of times it's about housing. And so our patrons are being referred to the, uh, the, um, the coordinate entry system in San Francisco. Coordinate entry is an access point um, by the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. It's a system for people experiencing homelessness who are looking for permanent housing. So it could be for adult, family, or youth um, coordinate entry. When Tenderloin Lincoln Center was open, up until last year, we've made a lot of referrals to Tenderloin Liquid Center. Um, questions about shelter, free eats, um, free clothing, free storage for um, unhoused people, um, showers, um, St. Boniface, which is the church that's open when the shelters are closed during the daytime. There's, there's really a lot of resources. Maybe if you ask us, we probably have it. If not, we're gonna, we're gonna look for those information. And that is the, um, I always say that is the, I guess the blessing or the benefits of being in San Francisco. We have a lot, a lot of resources. Um, well, aside from housing, there's always a need. So as a social worker, I build and maintain collaborative relationships with other community organizations. Since the opening, I have been able to invite um, previous and new partnerships to provide tabling and outreach services at the main library. The organizations that have regular service provisions at the main library are Department of Aging and Disability, Department of Veterans Affairs, America Works, Department of Re and Department of Rehabilitation. 
They table in the atrium of the main library twice a month where they are available to connect the library patrons directly into their services. As patrons come to the library to borrow books or attend programming, they can also stop at any of these tables to inquire or sign up for these service organizations directly, such as signing up for in-home support services or order of meal delivery for their homebound loved ones, look for a job. Um, I was also able to invite Street Store twice already since we reopened. Street Store is a grassroots organization that collects and provides free clothing for our patrons and our neighbors. The latest event was in December, where the event, event was attended by approximately 70 guests. Each guest was able to keep about five pieces of clothing, including a warm coat. About 350 items of clothing were given, given away or given out. The free books provided by the library are always very popular and very much in demand among guests. Another organization that provide free hygiene items that we're able to bring to the library is simply the basics. Patrons of the library were able to shop for themselves basic but ne necessary free items such as soap, toothbrush, sunscreen, shampoo, etc. These collaborations allow the library and the community organizations to pull our resources together and to reach out to more people who need help using a one-stop shop approach. As a social worker, I'm available throughout the day to provide the library staff with support and assistance with questions about social service resources or staff would like to refer patrons who might need to talk to a social worker or a HASA. In the past, I've facilitated staff trainings on humanizing homelessness, understanding mental health challenges and substance use, trauma-informed approach, self-care and resiliency. These trainings are aimed to assist the staff in gaining effective tools while they're serving our library patrons and addressing challenging situations at the library. The most current training that I provided was healthy boundaries and limit setting. I facilitated four of these trainings, which were attended by about 40 staff. And lastly, since 2009, San Francisco Public Library has received national and international attention in the library community and has proved to be a model of which other libraries have created their own programs. It has truly been my honor to have been invited as one of the speakers for the seventh international meeting of the libraries in Santiago de Cali in Colombia last November and to represent San Francisco Public Library. The topic was libraries and social inclusion coexisting in diversity. I was asked to present, and these are in the conference organizers' own words, the social service program, program that you lead with homeless people. For us, it is very important to have the presence of the San Francisco Public Library as it is an international model in this type of program. Thank you very much for your attention. I will be happy to answer questions if you have any. Thank you so much, Leah. We're so fortunate to have you on our team. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right, our next presenter is Kate Epler, the library's digital equity manager. Kate oversees the Bridge at Maine, our literacy and learning center, and she's gonna give you an update about the bridge. Thank you, Michael. Hello, commissioners. How are you tonight? Um, it's such a pleasure to follow Leah's wonderful presentation. We are so grateful for the work of her team and what they do at the Maine every day. And now for something not so completely different. 
Um, my name is Kate Epler, as Michael said. I'm your digital equity manager for the library. And I work at the Bridge at Main, which I also oversee. If you have not been to see us, the bridge is on the fifth floor of the Main Library. We're across an actual bridge. Um, and we were opened in 2015, partly with the idea that when you put a number of helping programs together, you can leverage strengths and you can have some sort of crossing over opportunities. So I'm excited to um, talk to you today about what we've been doing since we opened and just give you an update on how it's going. Um, so kind of going program by program, Project READ was one of the core founding programs of the Bridge at Maine. It is the adult literacy program for San Francisco Public Library, supported in part by uh, grant funding from the California State Library. Project READ learners are working with volunteer tutors on their own personal reading and writing goals. So they set goals about things they would like to be easier or like to improve, and their tutors help them get there, um, building and developing skills along the way. We are always excited to see the progress they make and the success that they have. Recently, one learner uh, passed a very difficult electrician's uh, licensing exam, so we were all very happy for him. Many learners set goals like um, getting their driver's license, passing that test, learning, um, not really learning, but reading the whole voter guide and going to vote is a, is a very popular and common goal. One of our learners recently did achieve that goal, and he says he thinks of himself as a regular voter now. Did I mention this program is 40 years old this year? It is our 40th birthday this year, so if we throw ourselves a party, you will be invited. Uh, you may or may not know that the library is also a high school, a career online high school, which is something we offer in partnership with Smart Horizons Education. Um, gives people the chance to earn a fully accredited high school diploma entirely online um, and entirely free to them from scholarships from the library. We have Chromebooks and hotspots to support learners who are in this program. We have 30 active students right now, and this slide is already out of date. We've had a graduate since I made it. So we have 75 graduates total since it opened. Uh, do save the date. Our first in-person graduation is coming up on June 10th. Um, stories from our uh, COHS graduates are one of our favorite things. Recently, a learner who graduated told us that uh, she did it because I wanted to let my family and the world know that there is nothing that you cannot do once you put your mind to it. So it is a, a pleasure and a privilege to work with these students as they get this piece done and move on to their next goals. Uh, the Bridge is the Veterans Reference and Resource Center for the Main Library. So we provide information and referrals to community organizations, the county veterans office, um, for veterans and their family members. We also work with local veterans nonprofits like Swords to Plowshares or One Vet, One Voice to coordinate programming and outreach. We are also a friendly face for our returning citizens, for people who are just getting out of prison or jail um, and are sort of figuring things out and learning about the library. We um, attend and support at probation meetings to talk about library services. And very recently, we started hosting those meetings here in this building where borrower services staff are providing library card signups, making that quick and easy, and we get a chance to talk about our services. New since we opened, um, an ESL tutoring program. So this is for adults who are working on their reading, writing, speaking, or listening goals to do with English. It was developed uh, in partnership with advice and help from our local city college instructors. 
and we always make sure that our learners in this program know about the wonderful resource that is City College ESL. It's fast growing. Uh, it's at about 100 pairs right now. This year we also received support uh, for that program from the State Library, so that's exciting. Um, this picture is from the picture you see on the, my left there. It's from an event that's new this year. It was an ESL friends giving potluck. So people brought dishes from their own traditions and their uh, home countries and shared them and got together and talked. That was a really fun new event for us. Um, and we get wonderful feedback from learners and tutors about the progress these learners are making towards their own goals as well. Um, one tutor described that her learner, uh, have a quote, uh, had, uh, Yasmin had to go to the doctor recently and was happy and surprised that she was able to describe her situation very easily. Before joining the ESL program, she said she would have been frozen and unable to get the right words out. Um, so again, really a pleasure to work with these volunteer tutors who are volunteering their time to make this happen, and the learners as well. I get a little choked up. And then fog readers. Um, you may have heard about fog readers. Also new since the bridge opened, it grew out of our work um, with adult literacy because we saw um, that this was the help that many of our learners needed when they were young. FOG uh, tutors are working with students in grades one through four to help them improve their reading and writing skills um, in a sequential and explicit way. And we um, are seeing tremendous results still with this program. And within the first six months, we measure progress um, in seven categories aligned with common core state education standards. And within the first six months, we're seeing students jump a full level, um, and sometimes even more in some of the areas, like reading accuracy and decoding. And it's huge. It's 150 pairs right now. So that one is a, a lot to manage, but of course, always a pleasure. And finally, my, my area, digital literacy. I could say a lot on this slide, but I think I might save some for later. I'm just going to go over a couple of highlights from recently. Um, one of our core services at the bridge is technology classes, computer classes, and one-on-one -on -one help. I believe that bridge one-on-one -on -one tech help was the first in-person program to come back to the Maine in 2021. Last fiscal year, we had attendance of, I want to say 6,000, oh, sorry, 4,000, I lied, 4,655 people for technology programs at Maine. Topics range from, you know, how to scan a QR code, they're everywhere, to how to hook up video streaming and what, you know, what really is that. Um, another highlight this year are our teen tech coaches. They're, they are uh, cited at eight of our library locations right now, including the main, and that's part of a partnership with the YouthWorks Youth Development Program. So they are uh, paid interns who are working with library staff at various locations to provide technology help for the public and also learn about working for the city and working in a library. Um, they've been help, able to help a lot of people in several different languages, and we're really grateful to them and to the teen librarians who are providing that mentorship for them right now. And then finally, finally for today anyway, um, this year we finished up, we're finishing up the Tech It Forward program uh, with partnership and gratitude to Friends of San Francisco Public Library. We were able to request donations of people's old laptop computers and then refurbish them, wipe them and refurbish them, and pair them with some basic computer classes. So people who come to these classes get both a device 
and the training to know how to use it. Uh, we've offered these classes in Spanish, Chinese, English, and one in partnership with um, the Children's Council for child care providers and parents. Um, so that's been really delightful, and we're just about out of computers now. So you can maybe expect to hear a little more about that, but it's been, it's been fun to do. And I guess finally, um, I've been up here bragging about the bridge, because that's my job. But the bridge staff are the ones who really do all the work. Um, so shout out to them. I wish I'd put all their photos on a slide, but they would have killed me for that. <laughs> and we couldn't do um, anything that we do really without support from so many other departments in the library and community partners. So a blanket thank you to all of them, and thank you for the time. Thank you so much, Kate. And that concludes the City Librarian's Report. Um, thank you so much. Once again, just illuminating, inspiring. Um, but before comment from and questions from the commissioners, we will open this up for public comment here in Corette Auditorium, followed by public comment from those participating on WebEx. So uh, public comment is now open here in Corette. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Uh, thank you for the presentations. Those are always uh, interesting and instructive. Uh, I did want to say something that wasn't mentioned uh, in praise of uh, HASA and the library in general. I believe there was an upgrade for the workers in HASA uh, to uh, get benefits and be library employees uh, at a higher level than they had been before, and I think that's appropriate and good. Uh, I believe I may have mentioned this before, but uh, without saying anything uh, uh, about the existing programs, without saying anything to criticize those, the one thing uh, that seems to be happening and that I have been curious about and also a little bit uh, bothered by is that a lot of it seems to be almost like a secret program. So when you enter the building, you have no idea with the sort of building table of contents that there even exists such a program or a social worker at least not the last time I checked. Uh, there's no real uh, ability to go and find the social worker if you want to find the social worker on your own, I suppose if you ask the library staff. The other thing is that the HASA workers are like undercover agents. I remember being in a library and I had a question about something with the computer. Here came somebody with a, uh, looked like an employee tag. Oh, uh, could you help me with blah, blah, and he said no. I can't, and I said, oh, well, uh, so what do you do at the library? And he seemed very reluctant, but it was sort of, the concept is to not look like a social worker or like a library employee. The concept, as I understand it, is to be helpful to people to make a, a relationship and so on. But since that person is only in that branch a few hours a week on selected times, um, I asked him, what does he have and so on. He had a very thick uh, three-ring binder, and actually, when we chatted, he had quite a number of things that I found interesting and useful, either for myself or for the people that I'm in touch with, older people, 
disabled people, homeless people. I live in the Haight-Ashbury. And I'd like to be able to know what the library has to offer uh, in the way of housing, in the way of food, in the way of uh, veterans benefits, in the Department of Aging and so on and so forth. And he actually gave me, I said, oh, can you spare this? I don't want to take your copy. Oh, no, he, he had extra copies. It was terrific. But why a secret? If I came to San Francisco, for example, as a homeless teenager, I don't care who sees me talking to whoever. I need a place to live. If you can help me, tell me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do we have any further public comment on um, item number five here in Corret Auditorium? Seeing that there's no further comment here, I turn to operations. And operations, if there's any, if there are any callers via WebEx, could you please put them through? Madam President, there are currently no commenters in the WebEx queue. I will pause briefly to allow additional commenters to raise their hand. Madam President, there are no additional callers at this time. Thank you very much, Operations. Hearing no further requests for comment, public comment is now closed. And we now move to the commission discussion on item number five. Um, Leah and Kate, you were just fantastic in your presentations. You are leading great efforts and teams. So um, please feel free to step up in case there are any questions or comments from the commissioners. Uh, Commissioner Maul. Your presentation was amazing, and I'm so proud of the work that uh, that the library provides to the city. The numbers of people uh, who your staff had contact with is really startling. I might have missed when you said it, but how many houses are, are do you, you um, employ, I guess? Um, so thank you very much, by the way, for that comment. I really appreciate it. Um, the house, currently we have four houses. Four? Right now, four. My understanding is we're going to have, um, it's going to increase to five, to nine, I'm sorry, nine houses. The plan to hire, to hire five more houses with a total of nine houses. Is, is it difficult to get them to um, find people who want to be houses? Um, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I mean, there are challenges, but we, we, we get them. So the program's been around for 13 years, and we've always had houses. So currently, the budget is for four houses. I would hope that our very um, extensive budget could accommodate a few more if we had such. It does? Yeah. You just approved it. Yes, I know we approved it, but I didn't know about that. Oh, for nine. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, okay. Thank you. And then I had a question for Kate. Thank you. Um, the, um, these programs are so fabulous. How do people know about all of these? We have excellent SEO for some of them. So I'm kind of getting the kind of not. If you Google online high school, we come up in your search results very well. We rely on our um, partners at the libraries and our partner organizations to help spread the word about what we're doing. So we work with city college instructors to talk about the ESL program. We work with local adult school organizations and job development and workforce development to talk about Project READ and Career Online High School. For FOG readers, parent networks, um, support for families referrals, reading specialist referrals from schools. 
So we do we do a variety of different things at the bridge, and referrals are coming from from all over. Um, I don't want to get in the weeds in the to the marketing department, but I would love to see something that says, "Did you know that your library provides?" I would love that too. Let's do yeah. It. Um, and I just want to make a fast comment. My husband, when he first retired, did Project Read, and it was really life-changing. It was just a fantastic program. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, you know, one thing that I really didn't cover is how being a volunteer tutor and working with learners in all these different programs changes your life too. Right. It's not just about the learner. Like, there's no. growing and learning that happens on both sides. Right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, um, Commissioner Mall. Um, further, uh, Commissioner Bolander. Yeah, I have a, a question um, for Leah. You could. Um, so, the jump from twenty fiscal year twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two was almost fifty percent, mm -hmm. and I think you mentioned that's because we opened, right? A um, couple questions. So. Are they mostly at the main library? Is where all these interactions happen? Mm -hmm. So the, um, I would say, so we also, um, the houses are also assigned at uh, Mission Bay and Eureka Valley. Okay. Um, once a week, um, three hours a day. Yeah, three hours a day, once a week. So the majority, so those, um, the numbers are actually mostly here, were done here at the main library. Okay, and I know it's only been a month. <laughs> into 2023 are these numbers on track to get go up stay the same or what do you what do you what sort of your feeling i'm actually curious to find out we're still working on the numbers okay. for the first half of the fiscal year um, okay. so hopefully okay. i have them next time yeah i mean it's like 24 interactions a day if we were open 365 days yes so these are interactions these are not unique patrons but there are no actually, no but yeah it's still yeah. effort and energy right. and mm -hmm. i mean do you have a guess at how many people that would be? Um, it, it really varies. There are days where we're nonstop, you know, mm -hmm. um, so the staff would actually call us, and the hostels are very diligent in looking for people. So mm -hmm. we like to say that we want people acknowledged but not exposed. Right, um, right. So, um, so there are days really where nonstop the staff are calling us, the hostels are many outreach, even myself. Mm -hmm. um, and there are days... Um, there are days when, depending on, we, we like to say, you know, the, there are trends. So, for example, the end of the month, when people are about to get their public benefits, then we see less people here mm. because people are able to rent rooms. Yeah. People are able to fend for themselves. Mm. So that's all been the trend, not just at the library, but also social services. When I was working for public health, we used to have our programs towards the end of the month before mm. the first because that's when people would not have any funds anymore. Um, while they're waiting for for funds to arrive, and that, that's would guarantee participation. Right. So, <laughs> and uh, okay, interesting. All right, thank you. I had another question, but I forgot it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great job for both. Oh, that's what it was. Training. <laughs> thank you for reminding me. Um, so, the way they're trained, I'm assuming, is to be non-invasive, and you know, it's it's more like, do they come up? when they think someone may be in, in it, I guess it's a sensitive thing, right? You want to be respectful of someone's personal space and all that. I'm just curious how that works because, you know, that could be touchy. 
Especially, so, yeah. Right, exactly. So I have mentioned we really would like to respect the enjoyment of our patrons here at the library, regardless of their housing, you know, situation. So outreach really is a skill that we can all learn from from our houses. The reason that we have houses are because they have their own personal experience, live experience. I'm professionally, you know, by education I'm trained, but I don't have a live experience. So to answer your question, it could really vary. It's really just... I like to say that it's not rocket science, you know, um, it's just really a friendly face. I like to say that um, a lot of unhoused people are feel invisible. So um, houses would actually just come up. It's really, how are you today? That's it, you know? And from we go from there, sometimes they say they don't want us to, they don't want us in their space, so we respect that. Yeah. And if they want us, we invite them away from other patrons. So. The outreach model is actually street outreach model, but I call it in reach. So my background is street outreach. Mm -hmm. So it's actually outreach inside the library. So we call it in reach. So we don't go in offices. We, we just probably would see us around the library talking to people, but we're being mindful of their you know, privacy and confidentiality, making sure that no one's listening in. Thank you. If that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And Commissioner Lopez. Thank you, Leah and Kate. I have questions for both of you. So um, I'm going to start with Leah since um, one is, um, do you work in partnerships with interns or, you know, um, future social workers? Um, I know that different universities have partnerships where they need to do hours. And I was just curious about that, um, if you do or if something that you might explore. And um, and then the other uh, question is, once you establish an interaction with, um, with a client um, and you do referrals, is there a follow-up or, um, or, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I know it's, it's challenging and I've I done case management and I know that oftentimes you, you don't see them again and, and you don't, you know, but I was just wondering if there are any follow-ups with the, the agencies that you work uh, in partnership with. So when you refer them to um, some of the, the places where you list them, you know, uh, on the other end, either identify as being referred by you Right, yeah, so <clears throat> great questions, Commissioner. Um, so the first question about internship, um, I honestly, my, you know, there's, there are more, so my plate is very full from supervising the houses to community engagement. However, almost every day I'm, I'm talking, there's a request from students from other library um, settings, um, other organizations to speak with me. So part of my day, almost every day, is I am having those conversations. But in terms of the interns, um, I, it would be great, but I don't think right now I have the capacity in the program to provide internship. Um, um, so the, the other question is that in terms of follow-up or follow-through, so um, before the coordinated entry system, when I was able to, when my position was tied to housing, I was able to actually directly refer people to housing services. And um, now that with the coordinated entry system, I don't know if you're familiar with coordinated entry, it funnels people. So we give them an, an, we give them a, an address or actually 
several addresses in San Francisco where people would actually go and will be assessed by the coordinate enter system. So with that, we're not able to do a follow through, but our role now is that we ask people, you know, please come back, let us know when you went to coordinate entry, what happened? And then so people with their frustrations or with their successes, they come to us. But with uh, 13 years of the, or 14 years of the program, we have housed about 200 people um, directly. So that was the follow-up that we had. Um, that's a conservative we, we were able to house more. Um, but part of our conversation is, please come back. Um, and if you're not able to successfully go and access us a resource, we will help you do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, this is exciting. Just knowing all the work that we're doing and that we were the ones in starting this whole movement. So thank you and thank you for all the work you do. Um, Kate, I you. do have some questions. Uh, and, you know, I, I always say that every time I leave the uh, library commission meetings, I feel like so enlightened because there's so many great programs. And then I start talking about them to all my friends and, and students. So um, I have a question um, about the literacy program and the other question, uh, the GED programs. Um, so when the students um, arrive or the clients, um, is there any uh, pre-assessment of like what level, how, how do you match them to the, you know, the right uh, tutor or, and then vice versa, how do you assess the tutors as well? Re teaching to read is not an easy task and not everyone, you know, um, could do it the best uh, if without training, I guess. Um, so I was just wondering if you could elaborate and, you know, maybe not at this meeting, uh, but maybe we can have um, a conversation, but I, I was just curious, you know, like how do you, um, what level do they, you know, of reading the, the, the clients are and um, if there are any evaluations and then one question, and, and I promise I'll be quiet. Uh, what is the commitment that they have to make? Do they come twice a week? Do they come every day? What, what, what is the, the commitment that the clients um, have to make? Um, thank you for those questions. They're excellent questions. I'm going to answer the second one first because it's a much shorter answer, I'm afraid. Uh, we ask for all of our tutoring programs. We're looking for an hour a week. Uh, same day, same time, trying to develop that consistency. That's very important for some of our learners and some of our tutors. More is great. More would be better. Um, but since our, our tutors are all volunteers and since our learners are really you know, desperately busy, um, an hour a week is what we're asking people to aim for. Time commitment-wise for Project READ, we're asking people to think about it as a year-long commitment to working with someone or to building their reading and writing skills. ESL tutoring, we're asking for a six-month commitment. Fog readers the same. In uh, the online high school program, you're you're in it till you finish, but you do have to finish in 18 months. That's the length of the scholarship. Assessment is different for all the programs too, so I would very much welcome a, a deeper conversation later. Project Read, there is a full hour-long interview um, using we do some reading together and some writing together. Um, we talk a little bit about educational history, and then we're able to take that information and give the tutor a sense of where to start. ESL, there's more of a self-assessment. We're asking learners, you know, on a form that is translated to 
Uh, let us know, you know, what's easy, what's a little bit more difficult, maybe what's harder to do with reading, writing, speaking, and listening to English. FOG readers, we uh, really want to make sure that families know that this program focuses on decoding basics. It's not enrichment. So students are going to start, everybody starts at level one. And if it's review, it'll go faster. Uh, tutors, when they first start out with their students, do a series of activities designed to give them a sense for how quickly the student might be moving through the program and where some of the, where it's likely to get rough. Um, and that, that assessment provides us with a good baseline to start. Training for tutors is a very serious thing for us and it's, it's different across all the programs as well. You know, when you're working with children and you're working with adult learners, there are different things to keep in mind. There's different ways to approach that activity. Um, but I would, I would love to talk more about it later if you have time. Um, thank you. Um, any further comments? I just wanted to add, um, Leah, it's great that you are now on staff and we're just delighted. Um, and just to, to both of you, I mean, the kind of um, kindness you bring to making sure that the services of the library are accessible and making connections for lifelong learning is just really inspiring. And so just thank you to your whole teams um, who help support your leadership and the impact you make. It's, it's really quite something to know that the library has these services. Um, I got to go to a graduation um, early on and I still think about it. I still kind of tear up when I think about the families and what they experience. So I've got the date on my calendar. Um, but I just want to say thank you for your kindness, your consideration, and your commitment to making the library accessible to everyone here in San Francisco. So that ends um, our item number five, and we move to our final item, number six, which is adjournment. And uh, we begin uh, adjournment with public comment before um, commission discussion on this item. And uh, again, we will start with public comment here in Correct and then move to um, WebEx. Um, public comment is now open for adjournment here in Correct Auditorium. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117. I'm disappointed that uh, some of the folks aren't staying for the exciting conclusion. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again and I think today is a particular time to say it thanks to the uh, commissioners uh, during this meeting. Uh, I think that you should not, not adjourn until you insist that there be an agenda item uh, at the end of the meeting, as you used to have and as many bodies still have. And that's where you get to say what you would like to see on future agenda items. I think that two of the commissioners in particular today gave examples of things that certainly might be expanded upon or more information obtained and perhaps more guidance uh, suggested for some of the uh, programs. Uh, when I spoke about is there really free and equal access, I spoke about materials, about programs, and about publicity, and in particular the mediums in which these were offered uh, and being disadvantageous and discriminatory really to folks who were in a whole range of uh, less than situations. 
But I think that uh, Commissioner Lopez's question with respect to the strategic plan as to what are the communities that get publicity and what are, are provided and what are languages that might be uh, getting publicity about the strategic plan, I think that that would certainly be something that would be interesting to follow up on, but also to follow up on with respect to all of the programs and all of the materials. The library often boasts about having materials uh, in multiple languages, 40, 50. What about publicity for the programs? What about translations for the programs? If it's an important author uh, program, what about translations like we have at public meetings for some of the languages? Uh, that would be a terrific thing to follow up on and have a meeting to discuss. And then uh, Commissioner Mall, thank you very much for uh, mentioning about earphones. Um, and I think that was one of the things that I was concerned about, but there are others as well. And I think the larger question is, is there really free and is there really equal access for whether it's language or whether it's equipment, which I was focusing on. And that would be another thing to follow up on, as well as the particular thing that you asked for and the city librarian wouldn't commit. He said, well, we'll look into it. We've got 160, 170, 100, whatever, $80 million budget here. Can't afford earphones for folks. I think it deserves follow-up. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Coret Auditorium? Seeing no further comment here um, in Coret, I turn to operations. If there's anyone in the WebEx queue who wishes to make public comment, could you please put them through? Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. Thank you very much, operations. Seeing that there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed and we turn to adjournment um, to the um, uh, commission. I just wanna add, just begin by saying, um, this was a great meeting. Thank you to everyone. We passed the budget, which is one of the most important things we do annually. Um, and I just wanna say thank you again to the team, everyone on staff who made that um, effort possible. Um, it, it's a really great, day for us so great for the library so would someone like to make a motion i move that we adjourn the meeting um a second second so uh commissioner mall has um made a motion to adjourn the meeting it has been seconded by um commissioner lopez and i'll take the roll call commissioners please say aye or no when i call your name president wolf aye commissioner lomax Girarduzzi. aye commissioner bolander Aye. The motion passes unanimously. The meeting is adjourned.